0: the endurance asia podcast Yo, pick your red up because things ain't that bad maybe you should switch the target that you're aiming at believe perfection is a beast that they'll never catch so never waste another day because life moves so fast and a dream without pursuing yo, they never last another shadow of regret i tried to never cast and always tell a truthful story if they ever ask stop the complaining because things ain't that bad <laughs>
1: Welcome to episode 79 of the Endurance Asia podcast. This week we recap the 2024 edition of the Hong Kong 4 Trails Ultra Challenge. Another incredible year. There were 19 athletes that that rocked up at the start. We had 5 finishers, 5 survivors and representation from all around Asia and the world, I mean, we had people from flying in from Switzerland, from uh, China, Australia, Czech Republic, Thailand, Japan, Malaysia. Once again, a truly global event. And uh, we also, a big focus for Andre over the years has been to represent both genders well. We just had four females uh, representing this year. I'm sure he would have loved for more, but uh, um, two of which did end up surviving the challenge, one of which we get to to speak to today uh, and we'll speak with first, which is Alice McLeod, who uh, who managed to uh, survive the challenge in, in just under 64 hours. Um, we're also going to be joined by Mayank Vade, a uh, uh, previous winner of the Endurance Asia Awards, a, a male athlete of the year back in 2020, and is just an all-round incredible endurance athlete, having done some very very tough challenges, but he came back this year. His third time to attempt it, and uh, and he put in an absolutely amazing run. But outside of that, we had UFO Locke, who put in an incredible run. The I think it was like the the third or fourth fastest time in history uh, coming in around 52 hours and uh, just over 52 hours uh, just an, an amazing run an incredible story actually uh, that he'd applied uh, a couple of times or had applied before and hadn't been accepted and actually gave up his he gave up to his job as a chef to dedicate time to training for, for this year's Hong Kong Four Trails um, and put in a, a just an amazing run. And right down to the, the final survivor, uh, Ruiz C, who uh, has been a support crew for... Both Tom Robertshaw Shaw and Jackie Lung on there. There were two of the fastest runs ever, and so she had a lot of experience of supporting people. And she came back this year as uh, as an athlete, as a competitor, and finished with just a like, just like nine minutes to spare um, to get in within the seventy two hours cut off. Uh, and just so amazing to see. So right across the field, um, there was a, like, just some uh, incredible performances. And so with that, let's go to our first interviewee and the uh, survivor of the Hong Kong Four Trails Challenge 2024. Uh, this is Alice McLeod. Stop the complaining because things ain't
0: that
1: bad. Hey Alice, welcome on to the Endurance Asia podcast. We are, I think, three days from you actually reaching the uh, the green post box in Muiwo Lantau. Uh, how are you feeling? You're looking fresh as a daisy. Um, for those that are, those that are listening, but uh, but yeah, how are you feeling three days later?
0: Hi, Scott. Um, thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm a big fan, so it's very exciting. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh it was. I've spent quite a lot of sleep over the last couple of days, and I wouldn't say I'm, I'm at my most productive at work this week. <laughs> but uh, but generally, legs are legs are slowly coming back, and apart from that, it's just been a lot of eating. Eating and drinking, to be honest, trying to enjoy not having to train.
1: That's amazing. So, like, tell us your backstory then, Alice. Um, so, like, you've uh, obviously based in Hong Kong, but where are you from originally? What What took you to to Hong Kong, and how did you you end up getting into into ultra running?
0: Yeah, so I am Scottish, uh, and I'm from originally from Persia. So, kind of central Scotland, just at the start of the Highlands. Which is a pretty great place if you fancy trail running or hiking. So I uh, kind of at the start of all the Monroes. and um, and I'm a lawyer. And effectively, I was living in London, and I, my law firm sent me out to Hong Kong for six months on secondment. So I was only meant to be here for six months. Got offered a job to stay within a couple of months, and was like, I think I think I'll stay in Hong Kong rather than go to go back to London. And um, just been in love with living in Hong Kong ever since
1: and sorry, how long have you been in hong kong for how many so years-
0: that has been almost six years now
1: okay okay um it's a it's a story as uh as old as time of people just going for a short stint and then get stuck there or or more make the choice to stay as well uh, and at Always what, point away. Did you, what point did you discover the trails and start getting to to trail running oh
0: so um kind of when i Moving to Hong Kong, I'd um, been dabbling with long distance cycling when living in the UK and um and I start- started doing triathlons and I really liked the long distance cycling bit and kind of the adventures you could have by just going and going under your own steam. But I uh, arrived in Hong Kong and I was like, well, I can't cycle here. This place is terrifying. There's hills everywhere and crazy drivers. <laughs> So I kind of very quickly was like, well, I'm going to have to find something else to do with my weekends. That's not just boozy branches with the other lawyers. And um, so, I, in, kind of within the first two weeks, I signed up for my first ever trail race, which was one of the Action Asia sprint ones.
1: It's a classic. And, Action Asia yes. is almost like everyone's entry point. And Michael Madison, is like got a lot to answer for in terms of getting people into this sport. Right
0: definitely no they're on um, they're brilliant races i've done basically all of them now but uh and i just fell in love i was on um, it was a repulse bay race so yeah i've kind of done that one go, yeah from the yes, beach
1: it, and then you run there yes. uh, yeah yeah and it so goes you, into a really tough bottleneck and then like uh yes. yeah and um and, you're
0: and like, i was kind of going around violet hill and i just had absolutely no idea where i was in hong kong like i'd no, i just didn't know these trails existed and I was just like, what? Like, you know, going over by the hill, I was just so confused. But I was like, this is pretty cool, though. And uh, it was kind of ever since then, I was like, well, this is just amazing. So it's one of my favourite things about Hong Kong is how many trails there are and how easy it is to access them. Yeah. And uh, kind of from that point, I've never looked back.
1: Yeah, very good. And so. so- when I, I saw from one of your posts that you said this has been kind of five years in the making with Hong Kong Four Trails, so like when did you first sort of hear about the event and start thinking about uh, thinking about doing it?
0: So five years ago, it was um, on 2019, 2019, Chinese New Year, and it was my first Chinese New Year kind of living in Hong Kong. But um, I'd actually got out of Hong Kong. I was off uh, skiing in Switzerland at the time, so I was having a lovely time. But my a Facebook feed suddenly was coming up with all these weird posts about people being on all the trails, and you know, sixty hours, sixty-five hours, and a green post box in Muo. And I had no idea what was going on, but I was like, "This, this all looks very interesting." So I started, started to dot watch for the first time during that weekend, and um, and that was the year that Nikki Ham made it to the end as a finisher, and it was just mind blowing. To, uh, to see what she had achieved and you know I kind of sat down I did the maths and I was like you know if you divide 300 by 60 and taking the elevation I was like well that's just not possible like how on earth did anyone do that and um, I was just like well there's just no way that I, I could ever do that but I was kind of always uh, from that point I'm on in the back of my mind that I'd quite like to give it a try. And, and, uh, uh, yeah, of...
1: did you know Nikki at the time obviously being a, a fellow Scots lady you would um yeah did you actually had you met her before?
0: so not at the time no so um I was kind of very early on the uh running scene at that stage I think I'd run my first ever ultra marathon by that stage which was the Hong Kong 50 so quite a flat one out yeah. and, um, and but I hadn't kind of hadn't met many people within that scene yet and um it was only subsequently that was through Asia Trail Girls and more races that I kind of actually met Nikki and managed to start picking her brains about how on earth she did it
1: yeah and, and so was this the first time you'd actually applied to do it had you thought about doing it in prior years but 2024 was the first one you'd actually put in an application so- for
0: so uh, it's been it's probably been a five year journey. I was determined to not apply until I knew I could get to the end. Uh, I was like, there's no point wasting a spot if I if I'm not going to be able, capable of it. So no I had um kind of from five years ago I had a, a list of milestones I knew I'd need to tick off to be have any confidence that I'd be able to do it. So I had to get through my first. 100, 100 kilometer, my first overnight race, my first hundred miler, and then kind of build up from the so um ah. so it was just uh I mean, it was just last year that I was like, I've done two hundred milers now, did the big boars backyard ultra and I was like, I think I think this is my year.
1: Yeah, because actually that was the first time I, I'd come across you when you did the big York, big boars backyard, which is the the backyard uh yeah, the like similar to the big's backyard or big dog's backyard in the US and um uh and yeah, you came, you were the, the assist in that and did it in was it like twenty four or twenty five hours or so? I forget uh, twenty tw-
0: eight hours.
1: Twenty eight, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and
0: that was the uh, assist to Camellia who was just... That's right. Unbelievable. And she'd obviously just done attempted four trails a couple of months before. So I was picking yeah. her brain picking her brains about it along the course. And I was like, oh, this this sounds pretty interesting. Though she did quite brutally tell me when I said I was like, I think I'm gonna stop now. Like 28 is enough. We're done. And she was like, You're not gonna get do well on four trails with that attitude. I was, I was point. like, I was like, yeah, but four trails isn't gonna be the same loop. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so going into this year, you mentioned that you'd, you had previous goals of and milestones to before you would apply to feel like you were going to be in the best position to finish. How going into the training block for this, what did you, what kind of training block did you put together? What were the sort of distances and how did you structure it? Did you have a coach that helped you? Like, How did you approach the the training for it?
0: So um so I'm uncoached, so I kind of make up make up things as I go along generally. Um I find that works quite well. I'm the person that knows myself the best and my kind of work demands can be pretty intense. So I think uh having a coach telling me what to do and failing to do it because of work would upset me. So I find it easier to be in charge myself. But um what I did is uh so actually it was after Big Boar's backyard last year. I um wrote my application form submitted it to uh, to Andre and I was like but just to warn you I'm getting married in the summer and I'm not going to be training like I'm having a break it's been a very intense kind of year and a half of I was basically doing ultras every month for kind of all of Covid just to keep busy <laughs> and I was like I need to have a break and I need to actually focus on wedding planning which was yeah pretty pretty intense itself Um, so it was actually on my way back from my honeymoon in August last year, I sat on the plane and wrote out uh, my training plan on the back of our Cafe Pacific menu. And I was (laughs) like, okay, I think we've got the plan in place, just gonna set off. So that was a six month training plan. And I basically just wanted to build up, build back up to kind of 100 kilometer weeks and stay there basically, and uh, whilst incorporating as much time as possible on the actual four trails.
1: Yeah. Yeah yeah. So so 100k week targets and was that broken up into like one big um one big session at the weekends and then any any speed work or how were you sort of structuring the sessions for it?
0: Uh so I do on Tuesdays I do a speed session. I mean just caveat I'm I'm a pretty slow runner so I do not have much turn of speed. So I uh, I follow like, the gone runners, the running club yep. in Hong Kong. I follow their Tuesday sessions. So um so that's kind of the only nod to speed I really try. And the rest is very much, uh, I usually head up the peak a couple of times a week. I'll run along Bowen usually once once or twice a week. And then on weekends, it's adventures. You know, if yeah. I can get away with both days running, I'll do that. If I can get away with just one longer day, I'll do that. And it was a lot of uh, just getting out and being like, well, I'm going to do these sections of the Wilson or the Mac or whatever. And just practice, keep on practicing the actual trail.
1: And had you covered the majority of all of the trails prior to the actual challenge?
0: Uh, yes, I the like, over the last six months, I would wrecked everything.
1: Really? Like, Every of, single mul- section?
0: I, like, multiple, like, mo- I think I be- probably did everything twice.
1: You're I was, kidding. I mean, that's I the benefit finished. of being based in Hong Kong, right? Because people flying in, sort of, that, yeah, it's difficult you to, to know it really well. So, yeah. I, yeah.
0: I think it would make it so much harder. I was thinking that whilst I was running, just, you know, having any concern about, you know, the route and things, whereas I just didn't have that to worry about, which was so helpful because I was like, well, I just know it. Like I did it, I did it two weeks ago with most of it. Um, And it was all really straightforward. Whereas for the people that are just flying in, you know, the first time they've been in Hong Kong is amazing. I don't know how on earth they can, uh, you know, take that on. It's incredible.
1: Yeah, I think also sort of psychologically knowing what's coming next, then on top of knowing the route and not getting lost. I mean, you can use technology to find your way around that, whether you have the the maps on your on your watch, etc. But I think just knowing exactly, you know, what hill's coming next, what technical bit, where the shops are, where the water points are, is just huge, huge. And actually it's borne out in a lot of the results of the finishers and survivors over the year. There's just a much higher percentage of Uh, of local local runners that are are successful um but uh but yeah and i think like andre does like to sort of keep it as a um the kind of diversity of i mean this year we had runners from all over the world like china australia thailand japan um in czech republic uh, malaysia and so yeah real real diverse but um but yeah but the thing is not everyone actually goes and does the whole course and training even if they are hong kong based so that was very that showed great dedication of you to go and uh cover the entire course not once
2: but twice
0: <laughs> yeah well also there's been a couple of uh, races that i've previously done which was the um and kind a of four trails ultra loop which is like a baby version of four trails um yeah. and so that covers effectively half of all the trails instead so over the, last, over the last five years, I've either hiked or run them all multiple times, which was, uh, I think, really, really helpful. But um yeah. and yeah, and I think especially with Hong Kong with the steps, because it just means, yeah. you know, you'd be like, oh, yeah, there's a climb on this section. But knowing that it's like the twins is very useful compared to just being like, oh, it's a 200-meter climb. It'll be fine.
1: Yeah. And, no, no, exactly. It's a,
0: it's a, it's a straight-up staircase. <laughs>
1: So, so going into this year, what did, what had you set out as your, as your goal?
0: Oh, well, so, I mean, obviously 60 was always there. That's uh you know, it's a, uh, I i w- there was a, there was a goal, B goal, C goal kind of all the way down, yeah. but 60 was ultimately the absolute A goal. You know, if I could pull that off, that would have been unbelievable. And it quite quickly became apparent during a, when I got to the Hong Kong Trail and I was like that's not happening because I want to I want to I want to I want to get to the end more than I want to uh finish or try to finish an under in sub60 I was like yeah. I'm not not I'm not 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 going to miss the uh, the post box entirely by virtue of trying yeah. to finish a bit faster and,
1: and that's the thing right you can be so if you over obsess about around an A goal, then, when it becomes slightly out of reach, it can just put everything sort of. It can ruin the ruin everything, right? You can yes. lose it mentally. So, uh, in fact, let, let's sort of like go back to the the beginning of the course. So, starting at the Hose, uh, I think it was like sixteen hours forty minutes. um yep. you managed to complete the Hose in. Was that like your? Were, were you? Was that your? What was your target time to to get so the Hose done in? My target time was basically sixteen
0: thirty.
1: Okay, nice. So, so, uh, so then, I was, I kind of, yeah,
0: tiny, yeah a tiny bit slower, but fine. I was, uh, I was uh, happy with that. I think my husband, who was my support crew, kind of cut me off ten minutes sleep. I was like, out you go at Wilson, yeah. Uh to make sure I stayed on time. So I was, in the Mac went kind of very straightforwardly. It was a, uh, it was a really nice time. I think because uh, we were still quite close together at that stage, so I got to chat to quite a few people along the way. Yeah, it's kind of like, just take that very slow. It's, it's really weird viewing um the Marco Hose as kind of a starter trail as opposed to like a massive challenge in its own right.
1: Yeah, I mean, just doing yeah the, the 100k itself with like four and a half thousand metre innovation, that would be for most people sort of like the pinnacle That's... of the endurance challenges they do. But yeah, you're only a third of the way there. And and so you are headed to the the Wilson and um and you're doing it in night. Obviously the start time this year was similar to the first sort of 10 years of the event, so 10 11 years of the event. So it started at 9:40 or so, 9:45. Um so how did the how did the Wilson go for you?
0: Um so the Wilson was oh that that first night was quite, was the most challenging one of the whole Whole, really? uh, and I think it was because I didn't know how much worse things were going to get. So I was like, you know, if this is the worst, then fine, that's manageable. But it's only the first night. So what if next time it's even even worse?
1: And when <laughs> you say worse, time, what was so bad about it? Were you just like feeling really tired in the first night? Or was it a case of like, yeah, what, what was making yeah what was making it bad?
0: So it was, uh, I think it was the timing. So, I mean, I think we arrived at the start of Wilson at like one in the morning and um but like I think it was I think I finished Mac at like one-ish and then made it was starting Wilson at like two so it was a really dark time it was really cold and I was just like okay this is not actually a good time to go to sleep after so many hours um, of already running I was like oh this doesn't feel amazing I'm quite cold <laughs> and uh, but luckily my uh yeah my support crew just kind of was like gave me a pack basically fed me gave me a pack of hula hoops and just kind of sent me on my way and I was like okay fine.
1: uh and yeah then you go into like pats language lane which is arguably one of the most challenging part of the entire entire course obviously in the, in the middle of the night as well um but did you when did you start feeling uh feeling better after the uh yeah after the initial going on to the um the the wilson uh and feeling a bit sleepy
0: um. So well, I mean, the thing that I I always knew, like everyone always says, that Wilson is the worst. So I was quite determined that I really do like Wilson as a trail because you know Patzinger is so beautiful and so like challenging, and then it ends on the twins, which is just madness. So I always I've always tried to frame it so that Wilson's a really good trail to be on, and um, I was going over Patzinger and, sunrise came. And it was beautiful, like right behind me, you could just see the sky just slowly becoming kind of brighter and brighter. And I was like, OK, this, things are going to get better from now on, which are, uh, so that felt, that felt really, really good. But, uh, and yeah, and then kind of from that point, I was like, well, next stop is Typo. And then I got some noodles at the Typo 7-Eleven. And I was like, things, are, things will be better. Yeah. That point.
1: <laughs> so and then you- It started to
0: get quite hot.
1: Yeah, I heard the second day was warm. Like how did the heat affect you?
0: So it was pretty hot and annoyingly I had like my puffer jacket because it had been so cold to start Wilson. So I was lugging around a puffer jacket the entire day in like 25 degree heat and I was like, this feels unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> this is when I would have quite liked a drop bag. But um but yeah, basically it wasn't too bad. I think because uh because I'm used to training in like Hong Kong summer. You know, nothing's as bad as like the, the time I did did Wilson Trail last year with a friend, and it was the hottest day of the year, and it was awful. So uh, I'm like, well, nothing's
1: that bad, basically. Yeah, and especially it's the Wilson Trail is pretty exposed as well. There's big yes. sections of it which you just don't have any tree cover at all, and so yes. you are like, yeah, you're cooking out there. But you still managed to get it get it done in like just over 18 hours, which is, which is solid solid going. Um, and as you trans uh, as you transfer onto the Hong Kong Trail. At that point, was the target like 7am ferry was the um w- was was the target from the start of the Hong Kong trail?
0: Um no. So uh with the Hong Kong Trail, I'd always um mentally had it in my head it would take about 10 hours. And uh
1: Which it took you exactly, like, right? It exactly, took you like yeah, 10 hours on the <laughs> dot. Yeah.
0: So uh, so no, and um I was like, I wasn't really willing again. It, it was it was at it was at the start of the Hong Kong trail when I just got up to the top of Pottinger um climb to start dragons back and Chris caught up with me who I hadn't seen kind of for all of Wilson and she was looking amazing and she was just like we can get the 7am fairy she was so positive and I was just like Chris I don't don't think I'll be getting a 7am fairy like I will be plodding on at my space and I'll get there when I get there. So she um she was like are you sure? Because we can go together and I was like there's you you go I sent her on way, and was like you're doing amazingly but I am not did not going to risk kind of sacrificing everything to, uh, to get that fairy. And, um, and so she ran off and I was just left left alone for the next uh, 10 hours. But it was, so I kind of knew at that stage that realistically my timings had slipped by a couple of hours and therefore, you know, it was going to be kind of a 9am 9 or 9.40 fairy that I was actually going to be aiming for. And I ended yeah. up catching the 9am uh, the fairy by literally a minute there was a, a there was a dash all the way down from the top of the peak to uh, down to the ferry piers and
1: so you like, made it with no literally time. a minute to spare so you had no time to like relax at the ferry pier before heading over um, oh, none
0: none at all my uh, my support crew was like my husband was literally standing at the, the turnstiles with the with the lady, and she's just, like, looking at her watch. She's like, one second, please.
2: That wow, was, that's crazy. Just
0: sprint, sprinted in, um, and we got got on the ferry, and then I just fell asleep for the next Oh, you below. did?
1: So you slept for the entire journey? <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, so it, it was a slow ferry as well, so yeah. I had a, an extra 10 minutes or so to sleep there.
1: Oh, that's great. So you just... And was your husband, like, actually... A, doing any of your gear and sorting out your pack whilst you were sleeping and everything then?
0: He was amazing. So he was uh, kind of all under control. I actually had two packs um, for each to kind of alternate for every trail. So he was kind of emptying out one pack to repack the new one and uh, make sure And he had a checklist of everything I needed for each trail. So he was just kind of going through that and I was just passed out.
1: (laughs) And was that the only sleep you had on the entire course?
0: Um, so I think I got about 50 minutes of sleep over the whole 64 hours.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, so I had a little sleep in between the end of McElhose and the start of Wilson just when we were being driven. Yeah. Um, and then slept on the ferry for maybe like 20 minutes. And then when we arrived on landau it was kind of the, the crunch time of knowing I had about 12 hours to go until sixty. And, uh, yeah. and, you know, we were we very briefly talked about about whether or not it would be possible. And I was like, with hindsight, definitely not possible. At the time, I was yeah. like, maybe. And then um, Joe Lauder of uh, Landau Base Camp rolled up and he was just like, if you're not sure and you've currently not got your shoes on, which I did not, he was like, you should go sit in landau Base Camp at least. And like, yeah. at least sort yourself. And I was like, okay, seems like a good plan. And I got to landau Base Camp and was completely wrapped up in my duvet. I was like, "Oh, I think I'll, I, think I will sleep for an extra, an extra little bit." So I actually had an amazing half an hour sleep on the sofa at Lantau Base Camp, and um, I woke up as like a brand new. Brand new woman. Really, it was amazing. It was yeah. un- It was the best, best decision that could have been made. Was that having a break?
1: There. I I remember uh, two years ago seeing Richard Kimber get on the land, the ferry to Lantau, and looking like a a, a homeless, uh, just drunk person being carried onto the ferry, and then he and the same, he like he could barely walk, and then he had a sleep in the uh at Lantau, uh Lantau base camp similar to you felt like a new person. And then I think he went and ran like 10 hour uh, like yeah, I mean, Trail straight after just as though he, yes, was, like, he went and completely,
0: completely smashed that. Which, I, I, I was a bit slower.
1: Well, <laughs> well I mean, you still scared, did yeah. it in an in incredible time, but I suppose at that point then, so you know, you actually are just going to survive. Did you, what was? were you like, then looking at your B goal? Like what was your, what was your like B and C goal?
0: So, my goal after that was was really just to you know finish within the 72 hours at yeah. that stage. I was like and obviously within that I was like, well, it'd be nice to finish as quickly as possible. So um but what I was really doing is I was just trying to stick with my pacings, which I, I had allowed, I think I thought that I'd need about 15 and a half hours for Lantau, kind of allowing for all the tired tired legs at that stage. and yeah. um and I think I came in at like 15, like yeah, 50 15 or po- something.
1: 1543 i'm just looking at the timings Uh, uh, here which is incredible i mean with with like 230 kilometers in the leg the first half of lantau obviously is like apart from the first 5k or so it's fairly flat and is fairly manageable and it's um it's only at the point you get to tayo where where it really starts to be honest and so how how was lantau for you was what were the sort of like high and low points for you there
0: so, land health first, first part was pretty good. As you say, it's quite a, a fairly chill, relatively. So actually, lots of catch water, which is. Were you able my, to run a lot of it? Uh, yeah, so it's never my favourite. You know, even on fresh legs, I'm not huge on just running on the flat. So, uh, so, I was doing a lot of run walking. So, I would kind of run for a kilometre walk for t- walk for 200 meters or whatever and just keep on breaking it all down but um so that was all pretty pretty good and then I got to Tayo and you know it was the start of the climb and I was still feeling really good so that was great and seeing people along the way which was lovely uh so it was, it was all going brilliantly and I kind of got to the Buddha and I was like amazing like night time but I've only got two big hills to go like I'm gonna get this done and obviously at that stage, I found out that Chris had um had, had to drop out. Yeah. And, you know, at such a late stage and she had looked so strong um because she'd ha- had an allergic reaction, which was so unlucky. And suddenly it was like, you know, that there's no safe point until yeah. you actually get to the end. This could all fall apart at any stage. So that felt a bit sobering. I was like, oh, yeah, that's. You know, I could
1: yeah, I mean, we have to mention fail. Chris, because what I was like following intently and and actually she motored along the first time. So she must have got the 8, the, did she get the 7am ferry or the 8am so ferry?
0: I, I think she got the 8am ferry. Yeah. And I, I think it was similar. Apparently she literally just ran straight and got on the ferry, got to the Landtower base camp and then headed off.
1: Yeah, and she motored along the first half of uh, of Lantau as well, and to the point that she was um, she was catching up with uh, with Mayang and um, uh, and Leon as well. Like he was, she was um, she was like I thought she was going to catch them, but then I I'm not sure when was it a Tai or somewhere where did where did she say she got stung? She, she got stung by a wasp or a bee or something.
0: Yes, I think it was around Tayo because I met the marshals at Tayo and they were saying that when they seen her she she was complaining of having been bitten by something.
1: Wow, oh, it was but such a shame and then um and yeah she she made it. Uh, where did she make it to where before she pulled out? I mean it was such so-
0: she- I think she made it to the road. So she got over yeah. that kind of horrible, horrible, uh, massive climb out of Tai O. And, and she um, really slowed down
1: day. through there. Cause it was, uh, cause they were thinking, Oh look, could she be the, just the third female to, to ever finish? And, yeah. um, uh, and then if not, she would have become like the first person to ever survive three times as well, which would have been an amazing, uh, amazing feat in itself. But um, I'm sure even even so she was still smiling at the end. I'm sure she still had a big uh, a big grin on her face. But uh, but yeah, I mean, that must have been a real realisation to you and a, a sort of kick up the bum that like it's not done until it's done.
0: Like definitely not. No, that was the I thing. It was just like, you know, a ro- wrong a wrong landing kind of coming down Lantown and this this could all be over So no I kind of was like oh I've got to got to got to focus and you know by that stage I was going very much into the third night of no sleep yeah. and I, I was like okay we gotta 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 get this done
1: and how did it go over over Lantau and Sunset then were you just like making sure all your foot placements and just responding so- along?
0: that became a lot slower Um, and yes it was kind of going up Lantau, Lantau was actually really misty and really windy um, at the very top and I actually started to uh, find that quite scary because I was like I know I'm not 100% you know I was sleep deprived and very high on caffeine at the time. And I was just like, this doesn't feel amazing, these days. And um and obviously it was taking way like, when I got to the ridgeline, it was taking way longer than normal, just because it was the middle of the night and I was very tired. Uh to get to the top. So I kept on having to check. That I like hadn't accidentally tried to wander off towards dogstooth or whatever. I was like, I really don't yeah. want to go wrong here.
1: And it's a sheer drop the side of you exactly. there so when you're up there exactly. at night when it's windy it's it's a bit precarious isn't it
0: exactly so no so there was a point when it was our uh, full points of contact and I was actually just kind of crawling my way up to, to make sure that I was like no nothing can just push me off <laughs>
1: um and uh, and what was the feeling getting over this getting to the top of sunset or the ridgeline there when you know it's just basically all downhill from here
0: oh that was uh that was pretty amazing so obviously i was still pretty nervous So again I was like until I got to the road section um road section at Namshan I was like there's still a chance of breaking breaking an ankle or rolling over something and just losing it all but um but sunset peaks are really special Mountain for me—that's where my husband proposed to me uh, a couple of oh, years wow. ago. So it was really, really nice. I kind of passed that. I sent a message to say I passed the proposal spot.
1: What was the was proposal spot?
0: Also, oh, it was just off. It was just off the Lantau Trail, actually, on the top of the peak.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, nice. on sun, yeah. on yeah.
0: Sunset Peaks, so I kind of passed we Yeah, yeah. Because it doesn't go right road. over
1: the summit, does it? it just sort of no. like it go, it skirts around the edge of the uh, of the very summit. It's actually pretty challenging that last little climb. I'm quite glad it doesn't go over the actual summit. Yes. It's a difficult climb up there, right? But- no,
0: exactly. Whereas when when we were doing our, the pro- the proposal hike, we aren't. Um, you know, we would normally always just stay on the Lantau Trail. There's no real reason to go all the way to the top. Whereas it was kind of that day we got to the turn off. He was like, oh, I think we should go to the top today. And I was like, oh, oh, that might mean something. <laughs> when I, so when I passed that cutoff on a uh, four trails, I was like, that's a good place to be. It's all uh... down now
1: amazing amazing and so getting down to the uh the the green post box what was the atmosphere like because it would have been the middle of the night right did you have a few people out uh, obviously yes. your husband Andre paper and uh, what was the atmosphere like
0: yeah so it was a bit subdued I think it was like yeah. for them it was like two in the morning and I had been moving quite slowly so I think they'd all kind of been geared up and ready for my arrival for a couple of hours which I was like oh, I'm still still working still working my way down Sunset Peak but um but it was really lovely I had my um my uncle and some family friends uh they were there and then a few of my friends were all there and kind of everyone was just there to cheer which was so lovely and I mean so many people had sent so many wonderful messages uh throughout the whole challenge which I kind of knew that there were, there were people all over the world kind of cheering me on which felt amazing
1: you mentioned when we first got on that you've spent the uh the last few days sleeping and eating and just resting like re- replenishing what were you actually enjoying during the course like was it how did you go on your from a nutrition front during the during the sixty? because you finished in the end 63 and a half hours so what was the um uh
0: sixty
1: three fifty eight? just, just um, under 64 hours which yeah. must be sort of one of uh, like it's definitely sort of like top five top six uh female um female times i think
0: oh i don't know i haven't checked i don't know
1: I, 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 I probably it's all should. uh
0: it, it's now all on the uh duv website andre message today to so say the stats are up so i could i could find that out
1: yes yeah yeah um but yeah what during the during the whole course like how did you make sure that you kept your uh uh energy levels up
0: yeah so i'm i'm pretty chill on um like nutrition generally so i don't really take gels or anything i quite like eating proper food uh as much as i can and you know and i'm a big fan of sweets so i eat a lot of sugar just not without you know in my day-to-day life let alone actually when i'm running <laughs> so uh so i kind of had um cheese and pickle sandwiches as always classic quite a lot of uh quite a lot of crisps and hula hoops. Um, yeah. Hula hoops <laughs> yeah uh act- active root which is like the scottish um kind of ginger based drink which is uh you just add a scoop to your water and that's really good and that's also really nice in your stomach if you're not feeling great um and then i yeah and then basic percy pigs i uh i'm a big believer in a a percy pig so i think i got through like six packets over the course course of the trail and um, by the end my tongue was really really sore from all the sugar (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, I it know that
0: feeling the ulcers in your mouth saying.
1: from just yeah, eating like, bad um, food.
0: That's a sign, yeah, a sign I'd eaten too much. And then kind of during all the transitions, I actually ate um, tomato soup in between oh, every... Because okay. uh, <laughs> I just...
1: Let's That's say real get. British options, aren't there? Yeah. There's no, there's no congee or rice balls going on there. It's yeah, Percy no, picks it and a, hula hoops. Excellent. I know
0: it's it pretty, pretty shame, but I did eat, did eat some cup noodles along the way as well. But yeah, no, it's a, a lot of it stalked by M So I don't know what that says about me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, look, Alice, it was a truly incredible performance. Um, yeah, you, uh, you must be uh, be very proud. And, um the the question that often people that comes to people after doing that sort of effort is is what next uh what what are are you lining up will we see you see you again um at the at the four trails do you feel like there's a finish there in future do you want to become the second third female and second scottish female in in in, um off the back of nikki hand to to actually finish the four trails
0: Oh, so i mean we're now three days on from uh from finishing and uh, suddenly suddenly it's looking a lot more a lot more play a lot more tempting than it was three days ago <laughs>
2: I think Yeah, immediately I after.
0: Yeah. but uh i very much uh, got to end. i feel extremely happy with the fact that i just got to the end That um i don't feel an immediate compunction to be like i've got to uh got to get that sub 60 but i was writing out my kind of notes of what everything that happened and trying to note down everything and kind of my final thoughts was like but damn that t-shirt is quite nice isn't it <laughs>
2: so i'm like
0: oh i think so there is a chance that uh, i might get sucked sucked back in at some point and i think uh i do think that a sub 60 is definitely possible if uh with some more years some more training and some more just some better pay things i'm like it's possible but yeah. i think it might have it might wait a few years i don't think i'll be rushing into it maybe the 20th edition could be quite nice
1: yeah back back to back is a lot to ask given the given the six month training block that you've put in um and yeah i i'd love to like hear obviously one of the big things around this event is increasing the the gender diversity getting more women apply we had four women um that 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 started this year. I mean, any recommendations either for other women thinking about it or or how we could get more uh more females involved in the event?
0: Well, I mean, that was one of the reasons I was actually so very keen to do it, was because I think it's I met so many females, especially whilst running in Hong Kong, that, you know, they're all absolutely amazing, but they can I think in trail running is quite an intimidating sport, and especially the really long stuff. It um, is quite off-putting for people, and especially for females. And um, that was something that I was really keen to be like. Well, if I can do it. Literally, anyone can with enough enough training and enough kind of focus. I'm nothing. I'm nothing special as a as a runner. I'm just very determined, and I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And um, I just I think that kind of any female that wants to do it can do it they've just got to uh set their mind to it but actually as as part of that one of the things that was so lovely during the uh during the whole run is um i'm part of the asia trail girls chat which is you know the the group set up by um veronica well formerly vadovkova and she uh and i'm part, part of the chat um on whatsapp and I've done tons of my runs with them over the, the last few years. And they're a big part of kind of how one of the reasons I love trail running so much. And they were chatting obviously amongst themselves, um, keeping up with how it's going, following the dots, being like, You must oh, have been something.
1: reading back the WhatsApp chat was, after, like,
0: Whoa. Well, well, it was brilliant because um, yeah, during Land Trail, I start, you know, I was going quite a lot slower. So I was like, oh, pop in and say how i'm doing so i started messaging them as well and they all kind of just lost their mind i'm like oh you're here <laughs> so so that I was think, really nice but yeah
1: i think in the same way that nikki han was an inspiration to you back in 2019 i think you'll be an inspiration to to many others as well alice and uh and yeah i hope that from that group and and beyond a lot of the the sign up for the for the 2025 edition and um and yeah just so impressive to follow um thanks for coming on and and, and sharing your story and uh and yeah look forward to seeing you uh, uh, seeing what you do in other races and stuff look I, I was looking through your races a lot of your races have all been in hong kong and all your training are you going to think about like uh, getting into some of the races outside of hong kong in uh, in future
0: that's definitely something I'd quite like to do. I'd quite like to try some more racing around Asia. I think with uh COVID, it's meant it's all been very Hong Kong based. But you know, I'd love to try Vietnam, uh the Vietnam like mountain marathon and things get up to Sapa and you yeah. know the Philippines and things. There's a lot of a uh, a lot of, a lot more races on my bucket list. But yeah. uh, I think again, it's uh, going back to the whole adventure thing. If you can uh, explore a new place and get to around at the same time, that's pretty brilliant.
1: I was just messaging with Nikki Han. She's going to be going down to Rinjani in May. Um, I think there's plenty She'll... of time to to recover and go and take a <laughs> miler um... down there. The toughest miler in the world, arguably. Um, so yeah, put put yeah, that one on your bucket that, list.
0: And... That one looks pretty brutal. I was like, yeah. I might do a might do a nice one. We've got um, I've got the Iga Iga Ultra UTMB race in um July booked with a. Uh, so I'm like that'll be a nice, a nice relaxed one to do instead. I don't think I'll be jumping straight into that to the hundred miles yet.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Well, look, Alice, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks for jumping on and and sharing your story. And um, yeah, look forward to to catching up with you again soon.
0: Great, thank you so much for having me, Scott.
1: Side like a truthful story if they ever Stop the complaining, cause things ain't that bad. My Ved, bad. 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 welcome I'm bad. Bad. back onto the Endurance Asia podcast. Very good to see you, sir. Thanks, Scott. Great to be here. Back once again. I think this is the it's a, at least the second time we've uh, we've had you on. And um uh yeah, a prior winner of Endurance Asia Awards as well. We've been following your exploits closely over the f- last few years. Um I saw you out on in Hong Kong during the Hong Kong Four Trails Ultra Challenge in uh, in 2023. And we're sitting here now chatting about your effort in 2024 and uh, and your amazing finish. Like how, how are you feeling just uh three days after the event has uh as you're getting to the green post box?
2: Yeah, I'm feeling great. It's it's a great feeling to have disclosure. Um uh, when I first saw this documentary in 2018, um I, I set my my eyes on this event, and wanted to get it done, but it's just that this sixty hour thing was was so hard to to achieve, um, and I knew it would be really hard for me because I'm not I'm not a light guy. I'm I'm, not, I'm a big guy. I'm I'm, I'm seventy six kilos and I'm tall and my feet are big and I'm not like the other amazing runners in Hong Kong and the rest of the world that come in who are super light and have smaller feet and they're really quick on the trails for me it's it's huge because i'm not a typical trail runner I'm, I'm a i'm a triathlete i'm a swimmer i love doing sports i love i love to do everything i love to enjoy everything so for me it's huge uh because it's it's also a message to to a large part of non-trail running community that you can do things like this yeah uh, if you put your head in you know your body and your mind and your soul to it so yeah in the last four days every morning I'm waking up with a smile and I'm really happy it's done I've, I mean it's a book that's that's nicely closed uh and I can really go back and focus on some other things
1: yeah I mean it's
2: been an absolute
1: delight to follow when when we gave you the male athlete of the year award Endurance age awards 2020 that was uh, and and your background has historically been very much into multi-sport you started as a swimmer and we'll link to the original podcast when we got you on talking about some of the incredible things you've done like the uh the arch to arc um in uh from london to paris and uh and then that year it was mainly because of the the everest man the very first person to do the uh 9000 meter swim 8883 meter swim followed by an everesting on bike and an Everesting on foot and i remember when you first signed up for the hong kong four trails i was actually I wouldn't say I was surprised because I think people like yourself, Mayank, you want to just absolutely stretch and, uh, and push yourself. And you're you're obviously not like a trail runner by um, by prior training. Uh, but I, I thought it was going to be difficult. And and the first year you attempted it was 2022, right? And so and I think that year you 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 finished the Macklehose,
2: and then I think you did you pull out on the Wilson in that second year. Yeah, I pulled out on Wilson. I pulled out at uh, Tai Po Tao, and uh, it was a crazy year because it uh, was extremely wet and trails were wet, but I had a few falls on the trails up in Pat Lang, but that didn't hurt as much. But when I was down at Taipo Tao, which is the first aid station, or not the aid station, but let's say the, the point where we can get some food is the 7-Eleven that comes after we come down from Cloudy Hill, uh, I was... I was trying to be a bit greedy on time and I was holding, uh, I put everything inside a polythene bag and I was looking at what I had and without focusing on where I was stepping and I was, And there are these long stairs that go down um, and I slipped on the top stair and I, f- and I stopped at the bottom stair and that really got my hip somewhere, you know, the left hip and I knew I hurt myself really bad. It took me like more than 15 minutes just to cross the bridge after Taipo Tao, there's a short bridge, you know, a Chinese bridge yeah, with, a, well. with a wooden cover. It took me 15 minutes just to cross that. And I was messaging Andre and saying, hey, Andre, I'm, I think I've taken a really nasty fall. I might have to get some uh, get some painkillers. And already Andre at that time had said painkillers are banned. And he, by the time he replied to me, I was already far away from 7-Eleven. And there was no way I, I would go back and buy some painkillers. And I, I for some reason knew, I knew that the, the, the race was, the the event was over for me. And I suffered a lot after that.
1: That the Wilson is an unforgiving trail. And to do that halfway through can not only just, I mean, just physically getting through it after that, but then also just mentally knocking you right in the sort of middle of the course. But I wasn't aware that you injured yourself that year, but you came back last year and, um, and I, I remember seeing you out on the trail. I was out in Hong Kong Island and seeing you going past very focused and like you're very head down, but also seemed like I wouldn't say struggling, but you were like it was tough. That was at that stage. You had like way over 200 K in the legs and. um and uh you weren't your like usual chipper self um and uh, and there was a long way to go but last year i'm like incredible finishing you ended up um in sort of 65 hours or no 68 hours wasn't it that you managed to come in uh last year um what what persuaded you then because actually surviving this event is just a massive accomplishment in itself what made you decide you definitely wanted to come back again in twenty twenty four and uh, and give it another go.
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Scott. so um when i when I went back to Andre in I think it was October last year, and I went to him and I said, "I want to see you and I want to talk about four trails." and he wasn't expecting that I would want to do it again. So I went and saw him for lunch. And uh, I told Andre that uh, I I'm car- I'm really carrying this burden on my shoulders, and I feel I haven't had a closure. And he was exactly like you. He says, "Hey, come on, you've 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 already uh, finished it. You know, you've you've done it in under 72 hours. You're a survivor, uh, and this is great. What you have." And I told him, I said, "No, I I think the messaging here." Here is less for myself, but the messaging here is more for my kids. And I want them to know that I failed miserably in my first attempt. Um, And things can go wrong in such a big event, and this can happen to us anytime. And that's exactly what happened to me. Uh, In my second attempt, I survived, but I still want to get it done because I want to be called a finisher, and I want to get that T-shirt. So I want to be called a finisher, and I want to set an An example for my kids, I want to go and try it again, and I wanted to get it done in sub-60. And already in 2023, I knew it. I couldn't do it in sub-60. I wasn't ready for it because I didn't have that level of awareness and knowledge uh, as a trail runner. But last year, this year, I knew it, that I have that awareness. And I'm really happy that... um, Andre and uh, Paper gave me the opportunity to go back and do it again, and even at the start of this, and I was already telling everybody I was training. Uh, my friends would see me running in Hong Kong, and they would ask me if you're uh, if you're, if I was training for four trails, and I said yes, I was. And they said, what's your goal? And I was very open about it, saying my goal is sub 60. You know, and this was I I used to feel really upset with myself and I would come back and say why did I say that I shouldn't have done that I don't have to put myself into this situation where I'm, it's added you know,
1: pressure isn't it
2: it's so much of pressure because I'm just putting myself into that pressure and then I've, but I would I, it would come automatically to me I'd, I'd go and say yes my goal is to go sub 60 you know sub 60 baby I'm getting it done and I'm really happy uh, I got it done and I think I think the journey is complete, and the messaging to my boys is complete. That it's it's an extremely difficult event. They look at me as as their superhero and their idols, and like like we all look at our fathers, right? And then they look at me like they're superheroes, and and their superhero failed, but then tried again, and then partly succeeded, and then tried again, and then fully succeeded, and and now it's it's a great story, I think, for them. It's a great story for me to. To tell them that it's okay to fail but then you don't need to just sit back you need to go back and fight again and succeed and, and not stop fighting until you succeed so to be very honest this year's attempt was 100 uh dedicated to to my boys
1: that's amazing mike i mean i see you as a superhero and an inspiration as well uh, and and looking at this past year are you like how did you think? And I suppose what did you change in terms of your training? Because I mean, cutting off ten hours on an extremely challenging event like that is is like a huge difference. That's a massive, um, yeah, that's a massive gap to to, um, to to cover. How did you adapt your training? What What's the last, past year looked like to be able to get you get you ready for the for the sub sixty uh, effort?
2: Yeah that's a very good question Scott again i think uh, a lot of us athletes who train for these big events we i think we end up overtraining so we do we just you know our, our our brain our mind plays with us and we know we're going for something really big so we need to go and train really big and we need to put in huge amounts of mileage this is exactly what i did in 2022 and 2023 in 2024 for the la- for the last four trails, I didn't train enough. I didn't train much. Um, and I would always hold myself back. So I never did, I only did three big runs. One run was, uh, the first run was a 40 K. The second one was a 50 K. And the third one was a 70 K. That's it. Wow. I did not, I did not do anything longer than that.
1: And they were all but training runs. They, they were races or training runs.
2: Just training runs. And I did not do any races. I did not race. Uh, I was very tempted to go and join a few races in Hong Kong to try and do uh, to test myself. But I think that's exposing myself to potential injury and uh, and hurt. And that a race I would go and do a race, let's say a 100k race, that'll set me back in time by about 10 days or 15 days to recover. What I changed in 2024 was not to train too much, not to put in too much of mileage, but focus on overall fitness. So I did a lot of cross-training. Um, I saw you I think, did
1: the High Rocks. So you like yeah. did a, high, a couple of events in the High Rocks, which is, yeah. I think actually we had a guy called Phil Snowden on the podcast recently, and it's an event that I'm really interested in in terms of overall functional fitness to be able to just improve your overall, uh, overall strength conditioning and speed and endurance it's a it's a good all-round type of training
2: yeah exactly so the the training to finally to go to a high rocks event is amazing how you train so there's so much of lunges and squats with weights and there's so much of cross training there's so much of focus on carbs and glutes and uh, core Uh, I think that really helped me because I was not focusing on just Pure running, but I was focusing on overall uh, overall fitness, overall um, physical fitness. Number two, um, what I did was, number, or number three, first was not not putting in too much of mileage, so not exposing, and not doing any races, not exposing myself to injury. Number two was uh, overall fitness, cross fitness, so high rocks, uh, swimming, triathlons, uh, you know, short distance. Um, uh, of course, doing a lot of cardio. And then back at home, I would do five or 10 minutes every day of uh, um, just turn on the TV and find a video that says uh, uh, core fitness for trail runners, for example. And then there would be somebody like Vlad Excel, or there'll be some of the other guys, and they've done five or f- 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And it'll be a very simple, very easy, focused five minute uh, workout. In your bedroom where you're focusing on your calves or your back or your hips you know that's it and then with my kids i would go and do i'll just do like 20 squats here and 20 squats there and uh, you know a few lunges here and few lunges there and then back in the office i'll try and spend more time trying to do a little bit of like right now i'm sitting i'll try to focus on my calves um, just try to keep that that momentum And that I think was very good instead of going and doing big races. And so I wasn't to the run up to four trails. I did not have any weekend or any weekday when I was exhausted or my, my, I was, I was super tired, uh, especially with my, in the case of my lower body. And I think number four is this time I really focused on nutrition for the race. Mm -hmm. Um, I, really dialed in nutrition because in the last two races um i was a bit of a novice when it came to long distance trail running so what i need to eat and i was trying to balance it between um, electrolytes sports drinks and natural food this time it was pure sports drinks so i i did not Focus. I did not rely on natural food as a source of energy. So, if you remember when you saw me last year, um, I was really struggling, and that was because I had I had nothing left in my tanks. You know, I was uh, there was not enough energy, and that was because I was relying heavily on natural foods. I was eating burgers, or I was eating French fries, or I was eating eggs, and but this time, I basically said how much time is gonna take me on McLehose? So I said, approximately 16 hours. And I said, for 16 hours, I'm gonna, took out the calculator and I said, I'm gonna try and consume 300 calories an hour. What does it mean for me in terms of 16 hours? And that's the amount of calories I need to intake, right? And then I found uh, sports drinks and supplements, like I I relied a lot on Morton, Morton both caffeine and non-caffeine. And I relied a lot on Gatorade Endurance, uh, which is basically- Gatorade, packed, did you say? Gate, Gatorade Endurance. So yeah. they have the Gatorade and the Gatorade Endurance. yeah. And that's backed with double sodium, double potassium, double magnesium, and tons of, lots of calories, lots of carbs. Yeah. So that really helped me um, to keep my energy levels up. And I was really happy with that because- after Hose, even Wilson, I did not have any moment where I hit the wall, uh, and except of course when I got to Hong Kong uh, trail, then I was suffering because it was sleep deprivation and lack of sleep. But I did not have any moment when I felt I don't have energy left in me, except of course in the end, which was Lantau Peak and Sunset Peak. There I had nothing in my tanks, uh, and I didn't want to eat anything anymore. So, uh, but these are the Four or five things I did that may have I not may have I ha, I'm, I'm certain have helped me in uh, uh, the the run in 2024.
1: That's that's really interesting. I mean, personally, that's like uh, they're all things that that I kind of did the opposite training for four trails this year. Like I was doing very high volume. Like I was doing 115, 120 k weeks. I was racing as like as training as like. Um, kind of other a races in the year and um, and yeah in previous years also just tried to focus on real food as well so i think like having a it's easier to be a lot more scientific when you're just using either gels or uh, or or powder in uh, as fluid the other thing i noticed outside of high rocks and, and i think that's a and doing all of that strength and conditioning stuff and interesting, you mentioned Vlad Ixel. I think he does he's got some really good content actually around specific exercises for trail runners. Actually, he's got some very good, um, very good routines there. But I noticed that you also did there's a there's a race um that is a, a mixture of sailing and 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 uh and the four peaks race around Hong Kong. Um Chang, a friend of ours and also a multiple time two-time finisher of four trails says you've got to shine some more light on this race which is uh which is an incredible but how did that go actually before we get a bit more into the four trails
2: oh we we did great I was part of an amazing team so I was together with uh, a mate of mine Rupert uh, and he owns the boat and he had he had purchased the boat from the previous owners who we had participated in the last year's race. So they came along and they're amazing sailors. They're just amazing sailors. The boat was flying, flying, man. And I felt like we're gonna capsize and drown and die in the South China Sea because if you're not into sailing, right? And if you're sailing 24 hours and these guys are like machines, they stand behind uh, the wheel and they can sail forever and it's cold, it's freezing, it's it's choppy, it's raining, and nothing can disturb them. They don't eat anything, they stay focused, they can they can sense the wind, they can sense the water, they, they know everything. It's an amazingly technical race. Um, so there were three sailors and four runners and their four peaks, Mount Shan, Violet Hill, Lantau, and uh, Mount Stenhouse, which is on Lama Island. And last one is uh, is horrible because it's basically bushwhacking and stuff. And uh, we, uh, I, I ran three peaks. Uh, I ran Mount Shan, um, Lantau, and Mount Stenhouse. And uh, basically how it works is everybody starts off from Titan Bay and, uh, your, it's it's a technical race. Your 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 boat has a handicap, so you could have a high handicap or a low handicap. Uh, if you have a low handicap but you beat the others, then they have to give you give give away certain time to you. you know, so there's there a lot of technical sailing stuff that happens. But basically, the boat goes in, uh, doesn't park itself, but the sails stay up because if you bring the sails down, it takes time. So you you get close to the shore. And you be you you offload your kayak into the water, and the boat is moving. The kayak is moving, and the the runners get into the kayak and they paddle to the shore. They get off your you you get off your shoes are wet already because and your body's your your wet completely, and you get off and you start running and you basically go to the top. And there's equipment that you have to carry, which includes a sleeping bag, nutrition, which you will never use because it's only you Know you run your maximum run for about two hours, but they want you to carry about 800 calories of nutrition per runner. Then you have to carry um, um, uh, sleeping when you, when, bag is an interesting yeah, sl- sleeping uh, bag, uh, yeah, mandatory yeah, exactly. Kit. yeah, exactly. Yeah, sleeping bag, whistle, food, water, and and 99% of the stuff you don't you would not use. So you've got a heavy bag. And if you unlucky, your kayak's got water and you, you, you're you carrying a even a, a wet bag, uh, you know, a backpack. And then you climb up and then uh, you get scrutinized up on the top. Uh, they would scrutinize your whether you have all the equipment. If not, you lose 15 minutes, you know, you get penalized. And then you run down. And it's not always the same place the boats would park. Some boats would go in closer inside. Some boats would stay outside, depends on the size of the boat, uh, mm-hmm. the, cap- the capabilities of the boat. And then you finish, come run back, uh, put the kayak in the water. You're cold by then um, because you're again wet. You kayak back. The boat is not anchored. Boat is already moving out, so you try to catch up with the boat, and they pull you up, pull the kayak in, and boom, you go to the next. Uh, and this goes on for about 24 hours. So we did great. We won our 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 category. Um, Uh, And there are different categories that you can win the mountains. So uh, I did not win any mountain. Uh, Many others did. So Esther was there, Chan was there, uh, KFC was there. These guys were going and freaking winning mountains and stuff. But our job, and, and was, that would just
1: be the time it takes from getting ashore to getting to the summit and back sorry, down again
2: and, and back down again so yeah, yeah it's it's called uh touch out and touch in i think so when yeah. you when you last leave the boat on the kayak, so it's a kayak time also included yeah and come okay. back and um it was great but our goal was we don't want to go win any mountains we want to stay in the top three but we've got a great skipper we've got a great team on the boat and our job is to basically uh, be in the top three or top four and we did well in the in Mount Shan we were like in top eight but then Violet Hill we were top four Atlanta we were top four Mount St. House we were top two so we were we were doing well but our skipper did amazing and and the the sailors did amazing The the boat was flying and when you're at like 2 a.m. in the morning in South China Sea and your boat is flying and you're not used to this kind of stuff, you know, I was I was I was, I was uh, pretty scared, to be very honest. Yeah. Uh, about what's going to happen. And you've to had us. a lot of
1: experience in the water. Like you, you've done some crazy swims, like you've swam all around Hong
2: Kong Island. Um, so you're used to being on the water. Yeah, I am, but it's it's very different when you're on a boat that's going like fifteen knots, you know, or twenty <laughs> yeah, knots, yeah. and then and it's flying. So, did your team win the overall
1: time then, including so, the sailing part? Yeah,
2: so we won. Uh, we won the. Uh, there were three categories. One is called IRC, which is more like the bigger boats. So Chang mm. and Esther were on the IRC boats. I think it's an international certification boat. So there were like five or six boats. That's a completely different category yeah. Um, and we cannot compete with that category because that they have a different handicap and they are different, but there were the other two categories. So we won the other two categories by, by all means. So we were in just under 23 hours, uh, yeah. for the whole race. And it's an, it's an amazing, amazing. Race, you got to try
1: it. Yeah. I'd love to get involved. It sounds so uh, cool. I've heard about it before, but, um, but didn't know that. And how many boats were there in total? Um,
2: uh, if we include the irc boats i think we were probably about 19 or 20 boats okay cool what and, a cool race
1: yeah yeah and i i love adventure racing so doing the kayaking and the running together just is uh sounds really good fun and a sailing piece amazing that was only like about a month before four trails as well right so that was like uh that was that three it?
2: three weeks exactly uh three weekends before so i had I had a trifecta th- weekend, three weekend uh, of uh, of racing. I had the first weekend was four trails. The next weekend was uh, the cold half, the swim, the open water. And then the third weekend, right after that, was four trails. And uh, don't ask me how I convinced my family that I'm going to do it, but they let me do it. And uh, yeah, we got it done, so... <laughs>
1: I mean that that leads nicely on to to the next question I mean look obviously some amazing cross training but the plan going in this year was was for the sub 60 hours but you mentioned your family and so pre in previous year your family were were they your crew the year before as well so there have been in both attempts so your your um your wife was like your main crew and then your eldest son was your driver
2: is that correct no, my wife was the driver this time. Yes. And and my older son, he's thirteen. He was the Okay, crew. he
1: definitely wasn't me driving then. But your your thirteen
2: year old son was like was your other crew. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was something that we questioned. So uh last two years we had a great uh crew. We had Brendan, Brendan Lee, who's also attempted um, yeah. Uh, and oh, you unfa- mentioned the
1: documentary where it first got introduced in the Breaking 60, and he was featured in the in the in that documentary, right?
2: Exactly. And then the plan was to have him as well this year, but unfortunately, he wasn't. He was traveling back to New Zealand, so he wasn't able to join us. And that's why my uh, boy, uh, he we asked him if he wanted to do it, and he was absolutely keen to be my crew, but he wasn't sure what should he do if I get a blister. What should he do when I? How should he massage me? Uh, how is he supposed to, uh, you know, organize my bag, uh, put the nutrition in? Which headlamp will work when? How does it work? And I said, hey, you know what? Nobody knows. Don't worry about it. Nobody knows. This is where you start, and you will learn so much. And to be honest, he, he came out really, really well. He was super calm and patient, and my wife was, like, uh, driving from from Park chong to Nam-chung, and this guy was sitting at the back, rolling over with water and soup falling over him. And I've got my feet in hot water inside the car, and these guys are trying to get me to Namchung ASAP, and he's trying to get things done at the back with food spilling over. So, yeah, I think as a, as a team, we knew it's going to be hard because we are a family and we know each other very well, but it went really smooth we didn't have a situation where my son would tell me, dad, you suck. You know?
1: yeah. <laughs> or you're shouting at him for not <laughs> yeah, yeah, passing yeah. you the right nutrition. Uh, exactly. Um, it's yeah.
2: the wrong cat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, it's so good to, I, I, um, I was messaging with Andre. So like, we'll move through the actual course then. And so, cause you put in a really decent time on the Mackle hose, like 15 and a half hours or so um and going into uh sorry 1539 yes and that was was that like on timing that was like uh that was kind of your target sub 16
2: yeah goal uh my goal uh goal was actually 15 i wanted okay. to do 15 uh yeah. but i was surprisingly i was cramping a lot it got really mm. warm on mackley house uh, uh after thai uh mm. it was super hot uh and I had planned for that i had planned i had salt pills and i had extra, yeah. i had this gatorade endurance which is which is fantastic you know you you drink that cramp goes away in about three minutes or so you and I had these uh salt pills which are great um and i was surprised that i was still cramping because even after needle hill um going up to uh, after grassy hill going down i was cramping climbing up needle hill i was cramping and i wasn't expecting that to be so much so I slowed down a little bit and I, I realized maybe I was pushing too hard and I'm cramping not because of dehydration but maybe I'm cramping because I'm pushing too hard yeah. and I did slow down that, that didn't help a lot I, I was still cramping a lot so did I, you have cramp fix
1: did you have uh, the, cramp
2: fix? no no, no I, I what salt pills work work fine on me not the okay. juice, but the salt uh, pills. yeah yeah
1: tablets yeah
2: yeah I use the lava uh, which is like a thousand mg uh, yeah which is quite quite strong I've also used the U Sport uh, Umara, so a good friend of mine, Elliot. Uh, he yep. introduced me to this salt pills. They're they're pretty good as well. Uh, I use them too, and they were they act really fast. So I I, I was happy with that. So, but fifteen thirty nine wasn't way off because we are trying to play by the book. Because if you see Andre's uh, book. On timing, it says 15 hours from Mackley Hills and then one and a half hour transition to Nam Chung. Yeah. So if you which if, gives
1: a decent amount of uh, of time for preparation. And actually, you did that. Um, tran- you That split transition was only 45 minutes for you, so you saved that time back. So you started Wilson in the same time that you was um, was the guide time. Yeah.
2: Exactly. So we started Wilson in uh, 1623, and I was I was absolutely fine on time. So yeah. I was happy with that
1: and and I bet going through Wilson uh, getting over Patsin Lang the weather was better and I understand it was quite nice or nice weather in the night and it must have been getting through the typo the place where you fell down the steps in the first year that must also have been like i i how good you were feeling at that point was that was that pretty um was was that pretty good for your confidence going into the second half of the challenge
2: yeah yeah absolutely i was i was feeling good also, this time what I did right was I carried extra water from Namchung up up Patsenling because normally we think, hey, it's nighttime, you know, you don't need so much water. Uh, but I carried extra water. I had, instead of just having 1.5 liters, I had about almost 2.5 liters of water. So I was even going up Cloudy Hill, going down Cloudy Hill. I was feeling really good. I was running the whole thing down. And then, yeah, I came to the 7-Eleven and, yeah, it was like a parody out there, like saying... 2 years ago silly boy you you slipped over here well, what a mistake you know you 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 could have finished this race 2 years ago you didn't have to go through this for 3 years and but then yeah i made sure i treaded those steps carefully uh, even though it was nice and dry and uh, then yeah off to uh, let mine pass and i was i was feeling great on wilson as well i didn't expect that i'll do wilson and also in sub 16 um, yeah, I was happy. Really I was happy. Time. I was happy with
1: that. Yeah, yeah, and, and once again, really fast transition onto Hong Kong Trail, just like sub sub thirty minutes. So you didn't really take take much time there. I remember following you at this point. The first half of Hong Kong Trail, you were you were you were moving well, but then it, I was I was trying to work out if you would make the three a.m. ferry, and I was like, oh, it's, it's probably beyond. It's it, you know, you'd have to move super fast to make the three a.m. ferry. So then I was like, oh, OK, well, maybe if he knows he's not going to do the 3 a.m., he's probably just going to p- slow it down and pace it. Like there's no point pushing too hard if you're if, to to get to there when you know you've you've got a few hours to get to the 7 a.m. ferry. What was going through your head at that point?
2: Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. This is what was the plan. So plan was initially the plan was to try and attempt the 3 a.m. ferry, uh, which was not very far away from the reach you know if i had maintained a certain pace i had to i had to do it in sub eight hours and it could be done i was feeling good although uh, after wilson my i had a massive swelling in my right foot um, uh, and my right ankle uh, wasn't looking great uh, but i could still run Uh, surprisingly i was able to run so so if i would tighten my shoelaces that would hurt a lot but if I left it loose enough I could run and I ran the whole Sheko you know from from Sheko uh, uh, from from uh, Sheko to the start of Hong Kong Trail I ran that whole thing I felt really good and my goal was to try and maintain like a six six kilometer kmph you know 6 kmph uh, but then when I got up to Dragon's Back and down to Do Taiwan you know the catchwater, that's when it really hit me, that lack of sleep. And it was only it was only like 7 p.m. or 6 p.m. or something like that. But then I was hoping to run faster in Toe Taiwan that catch water, and I was not able to. And I was looking at everything go by, and it's like, yeah, I think I'm running pretty fast. And look at my watch, and it was saying I'm running 8-minute space and 8 mm-hmm. minutes, 30 pace, 9-minute minutes space, and that's not fast enough to keep catch up. When I got to the quarry, uh, where Wilson Trail and Hong Kong Trail match. That's where I found, I realized that I'll not be able to make the 3am ferry. So I messaged my crew and I said, you know, change in plans. We're going for the 7am ferry. I'm going to slow it down. There's no point me rushing and just lying there at the ferry pier for three hours. I'll not gain much. So I'm going to slow it down a little bit. But that slowing down slowed down even more because when I entered the whole, you know, the Hong Kong Trail, which is pretty runnable, but peels rise and it's it's nice steps and stones. It's it's hypnotic with with a with a headlamp completely dark around you, and it's you're just looking into the darkness and it's you're looking around and there's nothing to see, and you're tired and exhausted and sleepy, and time's not moving. And then I said, What I'm gonna try and do now is Run one kilometer, walk 200 meters. Run one kilometer, walk 200 meters. And then I would run and I would think I ran one kilometer and look at my watch and I'd only run 50 meters. And I said, there's <laughs> something something wrong. wrong. Yeah, there's something wrong with my watch. Must be bad GPS. So, okay, let's try again. Run one kilometer, walk 200 meters. And I go, like, oh, 75 meters of running. What's going on? And then I, I was, and then time wasn't moving. Uh, kilometers weren't, weren't moving. And I was thinking it's such a bad idea. And then you go into Black's Ink, you know, Black Black's yeah. Link area, and there are these beautiful big houses, and somebody had thrown away their mattresses, you know, used mattresses outside. And there's all this thing playing in your head, you know, well, I have a space blanket, but I'm going to bring this mattress and put a 20-minute timer, go to sleep. And I'm going, no, 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 no. You want to sleep, sleep on the ferry, ferry pier. Because my crew had told me very clearly, no sleeping on Hong Kong Trail. You're sleeping either before or after. You're not sleeping on Hong Kong Trail because you don't know if you'll wake up if you hear the alarm, okay? So you've got to carry on. So, okay. peels rise. Again, the same thing's happening. And I found a spot where I would... I said, okay, I I don't care. I need to sleep 20 minutes. So a tree with lots of leaves uh, next to a stream. I set the alarm 20 minutes. I lay down and... My headlamp was on. I lay down and my headlamp went at the at the at the uh, ground level and I saw like four eyes looking at me. And these were these porcupines, you know, the big porcupine. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. So like
1: literal one, not not porcupine sleep monsters, like no, no, literal no. ones. Yeah, oh, no, cool. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So no I wasn't hallucinating. These these guys were just there like like three meters away looking at me. And I said, okay, the crew's right. No sleeping on Hong Kong tree. Get up and go. So- <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: the, the porcupines were playing part of your crew. <laughs> I think oh, so.
2: And then, uh, and then that was it. So, yeah, I, I slowed down a lot. And then the, the runner behind me, Leon, he caught up with me. And he was struggling a lot, too. And when I saw him struggling... I said, well, it's not just me, you know, everybody's struggling and that sort of gave a second wind in me and Leon crossed me and I said, I've got to try and keep up with Leon, just stay with Leon and that'll help me because he was running well, he was struggling a lot, he was suffering, he was screaming, he was in pain and he was, uh, his, his, his gait was completely out and I guess I was the same, right? But when I saw him like that and I said, I said to myself that it's not just him. I'm, it's not just me. Everybody's suffering. And then I stayed with Leon until Lugard Road. And uh, that was that was great. Uh, we almost were running next to each other within 150, 200 meters distance. And then, yeah, and that was the end of Hong Kong Trail. So, yeah, I think I could have done it in eight, but doing it still to be able to get to the 7 a.m. ferry with some time left to take some rest, uh was was quite satisfying
1: yeah and and so on that you managed to get like a good two and a half hours did you sleep in that transition and at the ferry terminal did you properly go out i know there are always I, weird sleeps right it's like yeah. you don't know whether you're sleeping or not
2: yeah i think i think i did have a really deep sleep for about 30 minutes i i yeah. did 30 i was on the benches with a, with a sleeping bag but but by then my right foot was this so oh, it was it, it swollen was massive.
1: badly okay. yeah
2: and I was coming up with all kinds of excuses to give up, to DNF. And I was coming up with excuses. I told Teresa, take a photo, send a photo to Andre, show him the photo. Uh, I think I can't run with this. My son was there. So my wife was very smart. My my wife said, okay, we'll switch. So she switched. She went back to the car and sent Bono, my, my older boy, she sent him in. And he's 13. So what can I tell a 13-year-old, right? And I'm telling him... My foot's hurting and I can't continue. And he says, okay, let me take a look. And he looked at my foot and he was super calm. And he says, oh, yeah, uh, you'll be fine. You know, I'll tape it up. So what he did was he was watching a lot of YouTube videos on how to apply the tape to, to injuries. And so he taped up my foot. And But it still was hurting. And I was coming up with every possible excuse that hopefully my crew will agree with me that this is it. Hong Kong Trail. End of ferry pier six is where my will stop because I cannot carry anymore, and I definitely cannot do a sub fourteen hour land how with this foot and this this leg. And uh, they just left me there. You know, every time I I, I, I said these things like this, that he would just try to ignore me or pick up the phone, try and call somebody, and pretend he's not listening to me, or just massage me. And I said, hey, come on, guys. Isn't somebody listening to me? Somebody listen to me, please. I'm in pain. And then all of a sudden uh, I was I was uh, I was in lying in front of the screen and the screen said uh, 646 um, and uh, tra- the ferry time is 7 a.m. And I don't know what happened to me. And I said, OK, Bono, let's go. I'll put on the shoes and we we, let's get to Muivo and we make a decision in Muivo. He says, I think that's the right thing to do. If you want to give up in Muivo, you give up in Muivo. I said, sure, let's do that. I put on my shoes and I limped my way to the ferry. We didn't sleep in the ferry. He got me ready in the ferry. We put the nutrition, water, everything got sorted. The moment the ferry stopped, I saw Andre and paper there and I was off. You know, I was off uh, running. And Andre was surprised as well, said, "Oh, you're leaving already. I said, yeah, i'm I'm off." And I told Bono, you go back, I'm going." And everybody was surprised. I was surprised that I didn't stop in Movo. I didn't whine anymore. I didn't you know come up with all kind of excuses. it It hurt a lot. The whole of Landau was like, my God, my foot i would i would I would consciously try to ignore looking at my right foot because my I was wearing these Nada shoes. And my right foot was like this. And my right foot was like this. Or my left foot was like this. You know, and like a normal foot. And my right foot was this big. And I, and my wife was messaging me, ignore your foot. Your foot means nothing. If you can run, just run. And that was a time when I hope I had taken a painkiller. I think I would have felt much better. And I was like somewhere near Puyo. And I realized, damn, I should have asked Andre when I met him there. Can I please take a painkiller? Because I'm look at my foot. So... Uh, we didn't do that, and I'm glad we didn't do that. And that was it, man. I, to be honest, I hadn't ever, ever expected, even with a normal, regular foot, ever expected that I'll do Lantau in like 13 and a half. And I'm, I'm so happy. My crew didn't listen to my whining, and they just, and and Teresa sent this photo to Andre, and Andre said sometimes photos things in photo look bigger than they actually are (laughs) so it was like nobody was really being (laughs) being kind to me you know (laughs) so but then somewhere halfway through lanta i realized that it was the right decision and they've everybody's put in so much into me and it's now my job to go and get it done get the job done how's the
1: foot feeling now
2: uh it's it's really sore it's quite I'm limping a lot so it's um it's big I'll send you a photo later um you know so you see what it was like
1: I mean following on 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 Lantau Mayank so you were moving pretty quickly during the first half and for anyone that's been on Lantau trail that knows in the opposite direction it's reasonably the first half of it's reasonably flat the second half is, I did it just a couple of months ago and it is just so difficult from Taiyo all the way to Muiwo. I think it's probably the most difficult sort of 30, 35k in entire, um Hong Kong acapello, And it was agonising watching your dot on there because you were moving pretty good. And then it was just and then we're just thinking as I, I was thinking as, and i was looking at splits from previous years and as you got to Ping, which is with lantau peak and sunset peak to go i think you had two hours 45 or something to do it but i was just thinking this is mightily close like this is going to be down to the wire like you really you can't really be stopping at Nong Ping. i think you did stop for a little bit maybe just got some water it looked like but uh but, oh, God, it was agonizing watching it, knowing that you were going to be so, so close to the cutoff of 60 hours. What was it like out there on the trail at the time?
2: I didn't, you know, to be honest, I didn't feel it'll be that close because when I got to, when I, when I got to Thai, O, oh, I I still had about just under seven hours. And at Thai o at the restaurant, uh, you know, we can get water just before you start climbing up. And um, funny enough, I wasn't asking for it. I wasn't soliciting for any advice, but then all of a sudden, from nowhere, somebody comes to me and says, oh, it's going to take you at least eight hours from here to um, uh, move over. And I was like, dude, I don't want to know anything. Right. I have only less than seven hours. I don't want to know anything about how much time it's going to take me. And then this gentleman is going on expressing himself, saying last week he did it and he was totally f- like fresh and it took him six hours. But after doing 220 kilometers, it's probably going to take you seven and a half to eight hours. And I said, dude, you know, it. I have only less than seven hours. So don't give me this information. And I don't, I, I'm I, not talking to you. So I, I, I fill my bottle. I start running to the climb, uh, that that massive steep climb. And then he, he, he runs with me cheering me but then he keeps saying it's going to take you so much time and that was mental like please don't i i, I want you to stop running i just want you to stay away from me so that got me really confused and then i was running up uh, and then i started asking some hikers who were coming in the opposite direction so i have done this trail a few times and i know how much time it takes but there was so much of doubt and self-doubt and disbelief in myself and I, I my, my my, motivation was running so low and I was hurting so much in my right foot. So I started asking hikers, how much time does it take to get to Nongping? And everybody would say two to three hours. And I was like, after one hour, I asked another set of hikers, how long does it take to get to Nongping? They said two to three hours. And that was like one hour ago, it's still two to three hours. Then I saw a young group of runners coming from that size. Are you coming from Nong Ping? Yes. How long is it going to take me to Nong Ping, do you think? About three hours. Like, God. Oh. <laughs> I've, been, I've been running for two hours. Why is it going to take me another three hours to get to Nong Ping? But I could see Nong Ping there, right? When you are up on the trails and you can see on the mountains. Um, that went really quick. But then at Nong Ping, I went to 7 Eleven to get food and water. And there was a massive queue. And that queue wouldn't move because somebody's octopus is not working, somebody doesn't have to change, somebody's trying to pay with a hundred dollars and then suddenly changes his mind and says, Oh no, I've got twenty dollars. I'm standing at the back of that queue going, Gah move faster, move faster. I've got I would have jumped photo.
1: the queue. I would have gone straight to the front and said, sorry, I'm middle of a race. Get that out of the way. I, that, would have been a, like, I don't that, care. That's
2: exactly what Teresa said. Why don't you just go jump the queue and everybody would have accepted it. And I said, no, I, I just thought I should stay. And I was drinking my milk tea, Hong Kong style milk tea, and I was sipping it away and I'll pay over there. And then there's this gentleman right in front of me. Uh, he changed his mind because he wanted to buy something else, right? Just at the counter. And he's going. I spent 15 minutes over there trying to figure out. Come on, guys! Come on, this queue. So I lost. That was that was really stupid. I should have jumped the queue. And I knew I'd wasted that time. And uh, but then Scott going up Lantau Peak was was very very hard. Very hard. It's a
1: tough climb. Even on fresh legs, it's a tough climb.
2: It's. It felt so long, it felt so long, and so long. And there was one moment when I was on, on my all fours, uh, climbing up, heaving, crying, screaming. And there was this young lady coming down and she asked me, oh, you're really in pain. And I said, yeah, Nongping this peak is so far. She said, yeah, how long did it take you? And I told her, it's my third day. She she couldn't stop laughing. She was like, you, it took you three days from numping. Now, What can I say, right? What can I explain to her? And we said, yeah, kind of. Uh, I've been out here for three days. That climb, and it was really cold, quite opposite to what the day was like. Day was super warm. But Lantau Peak, uh, going down Lantau Peak and Sunset Peak was super, super cold. It was the same experience going up Sunset. Sunset was already dark and my lamp, you know, was, was fading. And I was getting very confused if I'm, if I'm walking in the right trail, of course I was walking in the right, trail, but it's just super confused because it was taking so long to get to that section where you, where, you, where it flattens out, mm-hmm. you know, and then you run a little bit. And then it got so cold. I started throwing up. I was throwing up on top of sunset peak. Uh, so I was coughing because of phlegm that was trying to come out and with that started throwing up and it wasn't until i saw chang and his wife so all of a sudden there was a lamp coming in the opposite direction and chang was like "Ah, we're almost at the finish go 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 and that was it man that was this that was massive for me That was huge yeah. to see and China. you
1: just started motoring after that because I was just like following it so intently I was actually out to dinner with my wife and she's like yeah this is nice this is really nice being out to dinner I'm like I'm sorry but like my angle is so close it's like this good like, it's going and um, and but it wasn't it was once you got over that sunset peak it was like okay it's in the bag now like it's like i knew it's a 4k to go and then once you got to the road two and a half k to go but my gosh you i somehow you must have done a foot transplant with chang or something because you're you motored down
2: that last part yeah Chang, chang looking at seeing chang was great because i also think there was something in my stomach that was bothering me and i threw it out and i felt much better and i It was all out on the trail. And then I saw Chang and his wife, and they were like super helpful, like saying, Mike, you're almost there. And then my wife started messaging me saying, dude, you've got one hour to go, less than one hour to go. Forget everything and run. Doesn't matter. You fall, you crash, you hit a tree, you trip, your foot hurts, your body hurts. Doesn't matter. Less than one hour, you roll down that hill, you run. And that was it. So I just ran and ran and ran. But the problem was my my headlamp was getting dimmer. And I didn't have a spare. So it was getting dimmer. And by the time I got to Namsan, it was almost out. And I did the wrong thing. From Namsan, you're supposed to take left. But there's a road right across Namsan. I went down. And that was wrong. And I couldn't find the trail anymore. And no headlamp. So standing there in the dark with my phone trying to get some reception and I wasn't getting reception and I had just about 40 minutes left or less and still three K to go three and a half. But yeah, I'm, I'm really happy, man. My son and my wife and like friends messaging me, you know, um, everybody was like, my phone was binging, like bing, 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 bing. going. Everybody was like, run, 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 forget everything. Run. You're almost there. So I'm really happy, I'm really, really happy it was sub 60, you know, it was like uh, so close. And my wife was like, I was, we were talking later and she was like, I was thinking it could be six or one, sixty 60 minutes, 60 hours in one minute or 60 hours in five minutes, something like that. And it could have happened. It could have really happened if I had, it was just a matter of another 15, 20 minutes here and there, you know.
1: So. So you ended up finishing in 59 hours 48 minutes. Uh yeah. you had yeah, you had like 12 minutes to uh to to spare. Um just such an amazing performance, my You like you must be uh, must be so proud. It must have been incredible seeing your your family and everything at the finish line as well.
2: Yeah it was amazing. It was amazing to 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 run that last bit and to close and I and I knew when I when when I saw the the roundabout, you know, just when you're running down and you see the roundabout, and I know I knew I still have a few minutes left and I, I'm safe. I was already looking at how I'm going to close the book and and that's it, you know, the chapter's done and the book is closed and families we can go back and celebrate Chinese New Year next year um, and. Uh, I don't have to go back and do this again, and I can really focus on other things. And it's 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 such a massive sense of personal satisfaction, personal I wouldn't say accomplishment, but just personal satisfaction. Because the first time I saw this was in a it, it was in twenty eighteen, you know, in a cat hit flight, and I saw this movie and that that lit the fire because I love this kind of stuff. I love stuff that is basically impossible, out of out of reach. And to be able to do it, um, and it took me three years. it was a, it was it's not a short period of time. It's a long, long period of time. So it's and you know you know it, you've done this before, how it plays on your mind. When you're doing this something like this, you think about it every day. you think about it ten times a day. When you're eating, you think about it, am I eating the right stuff? When you're sleeping, you're thinking, am I sleeping well? You, when you're running, you're thinking, okay, this run is for four trails. It plays on you so much. So, so much of time has gone into it in three years, and I'm so happy that uh, it ended up as you know, breaking sixty.
1: Incredible, Mike! What a great story. And last year, you uh, you you did a shoeing out of your trail runner with the champagne, which was hilarious. There was no video footage that I saw of the finish
2: line. Was there anything special you did at the finish line? This year, no, nothing, uh, nothing at all. I, I, I was, I was just overwhelmed when uh, uh, I got the black T-shirt, the Hong Kong Four Trails yeah. T-shirt from Andre, and then uh, Chang, and Nikki, and uh, Stephen, they came and Nikki took off her uh, hoodie and she was wearing her black T-shirt. And we all stood there, took a photo, and then Will came in, and Will was whining, saying, Oh, I'm not a finisher. But you know, he's done so much oh, for the community. Yeah, we man. we we had him in the middle, we stood together and we took this, this 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 photo together, and I felt so proud that I was I was standing amongst the greats of running. Uh, of course, there are, there are others, you know, there are others like Wong Ho Chung and Eric, who did in 52. And the, I mean, the guy, Lok, who did in 52. I mean, these are these are amazing people. Yeah. But but these are the great people who have dedicated so much time of their lives to to trail running. And I was standing there and and they all took a photo with me. Um, that, that was super proud. So no shui this time but uh but a but a great surrounded
1: photo. by by legends of the of the ultra running community in uh, in Hong Kong but ah, oh, brilliant it's been amazing to follow mine just one last question for me and it's always the question that you ask yourself once you achieve something of this magnitude is what next
2: yeah um i've got i've got two big races coming up uh one in april um, I'm waiting for the approval from the Marine department. Uh, so, you know, we swim Hong Kong 360. yeah, Uh, and, um, that's part of training. So four trails was, was one of the part of the training for my double arch to arc, which is in August. Um, okay. And, wow. uh, double arch to arc means also, uh, out and back, you know, a two way swim the channel. So to, to train for that, I'm going to try and attempt a swim, which is going to be a double circum- circumnavigation of Hong Kong in April. So April 24, how, 25.
1: How, April 24, 25. And it's a 120k swim? What's the distance?
2: Uh, 84. 84, 84k. Wow.
1: Okay. Amazing, Mayank. Look, it's been an absolute pleasure having you back on again. You really are a true inspiration. I think... That we are doing Everest man a few years back is still something that's been preying on my mind and something that I'd love to do. Um, but you're you've become the second or maybe third person to 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 uh DNF, then survive, then finish. I know Jag is one of those. I'm trying to think who, who else has gone through that sort of process of not finishing surviving and then finishing. Um but uh, but yeah, it's an incredible achievement, Mayan and uh, and you should be very proud and uh, as should your family and friends and everyone in the community, as I'm sure they all are.
2: Thanks, Scott. Thanks for the time and for the chat. And yeah, it's it's really it's really great to be part of part of your podcast and be able to share all, all the experience and you know the what we learn from these events with with the community.
1: Mayank, always a pleasure to share your true in inspiration and look forward to chatting again soon
2: thanks Scott talk to you soon bye bye the story of the stop the because things ain't that bad.